0: SECTION 27 OF CELEBRATED TRAVELS AND TRAVELLERS, VOLUME 3. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain, for more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. CELEBRATED TRAVELS AND TRAVELLERS, VOLUME 3, THE GREAT EXPLORERS AND TRAVELERS OF THE 19th CENTURY, BY JOURVÈN, SECOND PART, CHAPTER 2, PART 1, FRENCH CIRCUMNAVIGATORS 3 from the fifth to the sixteenth of june the Uranie was occupied in an exploring cruise round the north of the Marianne islands in the course of which were made the observations of which the substance has been given above the commander wishing to make a quick passage to the sandwich islands then took advantage of a breeze to gain a higher latitude where he hoped to meet with favourable winds but as the explorers penetrated further and further into this part of the pacific ocean cold and dense fogs wrapped them round permeating the whole vessel with damp equally unpleasant and injurious to health however the crew suffered no worse inconvenience than slight colds in fact the change had rather a bracing effect than otherwise men now for some time accustomed to the enervating heat of the tropics on the sixth of august the south point of hawaii was doubled and freycinet made for the western side of the island where he hoped to find a safe and convenient anchorage a dead calm prevailing the first and second days were spent in opening relations with the natives The women came off in crowds immediately on the arrival of the ship with the view of carrying on their usual trade but the commander laid an interdict on their coming on board the first piece of news given to the captain by one of the Arois was that king kamamaha was dead and that his young son rio rio had succeeded him Taking advantage of a change of wind, the Uranie sailed on to the bay of Karakakoa, and Fresenet was about to send an officer in advance to take soundings, when a canoe put off from the shore, having on board the governor of the island, Prince Quackini, otherwise John Adams, who promised the captain that he would find boats suitable for the taking of the necessary supplies to the corvette this young man about nine and twenty years of age almost a giant in stature but well proportioned surprised freycinet by the extent of his information on being informed that the corvette was on a voyage of discovery he inquired have you doubled cape horn or did you come round the cape of good hope he then asked for the latest information about napoleon and wished to know whether it was true that the island of st helena had been swallowed up with all its inhabitants a story he had evidently heard from some facetious whalemen but had not entirely believed gulkini next apprised freycinet that though actual disturbances had not broken out on the death of kamahamaha yet that some of the chiefs having asserted claims to independence The stability of the monarchy was in some danger as a result the political situation was strained and the government was in some perplexity a state of things which probably would soon terminate especially if the commandant would consent to make some declaration in favour of the youthful sovereign freycinet landed with the prince to pay him a return visit and on entering his house was introduced to his wife a very corpulent woman who was lying on a european bedstead covered with matting after this visit the captain and his host went to visit the widows of kamahamaha the prince's sisters but not being able to see them they proceeded to the yards and workshops of the deceased king here were four sheds sacred to the building of large war canoes and others containing European boats. Farther on were seen wood for building purposes, bars of copper, quantities of fishing nets, a forge, a cooper's workshop, and lastly, some cases belonging to the Prime Minister, Kremoku, filled with all necessary appliances for navigation, such as compasses, sextants, thermometers, watches, and even a chronometer strangers were not allowed to inspect two other magazines, in which were stored powder and other war materials, strong liquors, iron, etc. All these places were for the present abandoned by the new Sovereign, who held his court at Kawahai Bay. Freycinet, on receiving an invitation from the king, made ready to visit him there under the guidance of a native pilot, who showed himself most attentive and was very skilful in forecasting the weather the monarch writes freycinet was waiting for me on the beach dressed in the full uniform of an english captain and surrounded by the whole of his suite in spite of the terrible barrenness of this side of the island the spectacle of the grotesque assemblage of men and women was not without grandeur and beauty the king himself stood in front with his principal officers a little distance behind him some wearing splendid mantles made of red or yellow feathers or of scarlet cloth others in short tippets of the same kind but in which the two glaring colours were relieved with black a few had helmets on their heads this striking picture was further diversified by a number of soldiers grouped here and there and clad in various and strange costumes the sovereign now under notice was the same who with his young and charming wife undertook at a later period a voyage to england where they both died their remains were brought back to hawaii by captain byron in the frigate la blonde chesnay seized this opportunity to repeat his request for supplies of fresh provisions And the king promised that two days should not pass before his wishes should be fully complied with however although the good faith of the young monarch was above suspicion the commander soon discovered that most of the chiefs had no intention of obeying their sovereign's orders some little time after this the principal officers of the staff went to pay a visit to the widows of kamahamaha the following amusing description of their lively reception is given by Monsieur koi a strange spectacle he says met our view on our entrance into an apartment of narrow dimensions where eight lumps of half-naked humanity lay on the ground with their faces downwards it was not an easy task to find space to lay ourselves down according to custom in the same manner the attendants were constantly on the move some carrying fans made of feathers to whisk away the flies another a lighted pipe which was passed from one prostrate figure to another each taking a whiff or two while the rest were engaged in shampooing the royal personages conversation if may readily be imagined was not well maintained under these trying circumstances and had it not been for some excellent watermelons which were handed to us, the tedium of the interview would have been insupportable. Frésiné next went to pay a visit to the famous John Young, who had been for so long a time the faithful friend and sagacious adviser of King Kamahamaha. Although he was then old and in bad health, he was not the less able to supply Freycinet with some valuable information about the Sandwich Islands, where he had lived for thirty years, and in the history of which he had played a prominent part. Trebocco, the minister, during a visit which he was paying on board the Uranie, had caught sight of the Abbe de Calen, the chaplain, whose costume puzzled him a good deal. As soon as he had learnt that the strangely dressed person was a priest, he expressed to the commandant a desire to receive baptism. His mother, he said, had been admitted to that sacrament upon her deathbed, and she had obtained from him a promise to submit himself to the same ceremony as soon as he met with a convenient opportunity. Graysonet gave his consent, and endeavoured to make the proceeding as solemn as possible, All the more because rio rio requested permission to be present at it with all his sweet everyone behaved with the utmost decorum and reverence while the ceremony was taking place but immediately on its close there was a general rush to the collation which the commandant had ordered to be prepared it was wonderful to see how rapidly the bottles of wine and the flasks of rum and of brandy were emptied And to witness the speedy disappearance of the viands with which the table had been covered fortunately the day was coming to a close or rio rio and the majority of his officers and courtiers would not have been in a condition to reach the shore in spite of this however it was necessary to comply with his request for two additional bottles of brandy that he might as he said drink the health of the commander and success to his voyage A request which all his attendants felt bound in politeness to make likewise it is not an overstatement observes freycinet to say that in the short space of two hours our distinguished guests drank and carried away what would have been sufficient to supply the wants of ten ordinary persons for three months several presents had been exchanged between the royal pair and the commander among those made by the young queen was a cloak of feathers a kind of garment which had become exceedingly scarce in the sandwich islands was about to set sail again when he learnt from an american captain that a merchant vessel was lying off the island of maui having a large quantity of biscuit and rice on board which there was no doubt might be purchased this information determined freycinet to anchor first off rahina among other reasons because it was there that kramoko had undertaken to deliver a number of pigs which were required for the use of the crew but the minister displayed signal bad faith in the transaction he tended miserably poor pigs and demanded an extravagantly high price so that it was necessary to have recourse to threats, before the business could be satisfactorily arranged. In this matter, Kraimoku was under the misguidance of an English runaway convict from Port Jackson, and, most probably, had the native been left to obey the promptings of his own nature, he would have acted on this occasion with the good faith and the sense of honour which were his usual characteristics. on reaching the island of oahu freycinet dropped anchor off honolulu the hearty welcome he received from the european residents made him regret that he had not come here direct to begin with for he was able without any delay to procure all the supplies which he had found so much difficulty in getting together at the two other islands Boki, the governor of oahu received baptism from the chaplain of the Uraini. he was prompted apparently by no other motive than a wish to do as his brother had done who had previously received this sacrament he was far from having the air of intelligence common to the other natives of the various islands of the sandwich group hitherto visited Many observations on these natives are made in the narrative of the expedition which are too interesting to be passed over without a brief summary here. All navigators are agreed in considering that the class of chiefs belong to a race excelling the other inhabitants, both in intelligence and in stature. It is very unusual to find one who is less than six feet in height. Obesity is very common, but chiefly among the women, who, while still quite young, often become enormously corpulent. The sandwich type is strongly marked and distinct. Pretty women are numerous, but the blessing of length of days is seldom enjoyed. An old man of seventy is a rare phenomenon. This early decline and premature death must be ascribed to the persistent dissipation in which the people pass their lives. On leaving the Sandwich Islands, Fresne found it necessary to notice carefully the curves of the magnetic equator in low latitudes. Accordingly he crowded all sail in an easterly direction. On the seventh of October the entered the southern hemisphere, and on the nineteenth of the same month the dangerous islands came in sight. To the eastward of the Navigators Archipelago an island was discovered not marked on the charts, which was named Rose after Madame Fresnay. This was the only actual discovery of the voyage. The position of the islands of Pilstadt and Howe was next rectified and on the thirteenth of november the lights of port jackson or sydney were at last sighted freycenae had fully expected to find the town enlarged during the sixteen years that had passed since his last visit but his astonishment was great indeed at the sight of a large and prosperous european city set down in the midst of scenery which might almost be called wild But as the travellers made excursions in various directions, fresh signs of the progress which the colony had made were forced on their attention. Fine roads, carefully kept, bordered with the eucalyptus, styled by Peru, the giant of the Australian forests, well-constructed bridges, distances marked by milestones, proved the existence of a well-organised local administration whilst the charming cottages the numerous herds of cattle and the carefully cultivated fields bore testimony to the industry and perseverance of the new colonists governor macquarie and the principal authorities of the province vied with each other in showing attention to the french travellers who however persisted in declining all but a single invitation lest the work of the mission should not receive its fair share of attention. The entertainment given by the Governor took place at his country house at Parramatta, whither the officers of the expedition proceeded by water, accompanied by a military band. Several of them also visited the little town of Liverpool, built in a pleasant situation on the banks of the River George excursions too were made to the little villages of richmond and windsor which were growing up near hawkesbury river at the same time the party of the staff joined in a kangaroo hunt and crossing the blue mountains penetrated the bathurst settlement through the friendly relations which Freycinet had established with the residents during his two visits he was able to collect numerous interesting details respecting the australian colony therefore the chapter that he devotes to new south wales recording the marvellous and rapid advance of this effort at colonisation excited a lively interest in france but the development and growing prosperity of australia were very imperfectly known trecenet's narrative was there quite a new revelation well calculated to excite inquiry, and which have moreover the advantage of showing the exact condition of the colony so late as the year 1825. The chain of mountains at some distance from the coast, known by the name of the Australian Alps, separates New South Wales from the interior of the Australian continent. For twenty-five years this chain formed a barrier against all communication with the country beyond, but now, thanks to the energy of Governor Macquarie, the barrier had been removed. A zigzag road had been cut in the rock, thus opening the way to the colonization of wide-spreading plains watered by important rivers. The loftiest summits of this chain, nearly ten thousand feet in height, are covered with snow even in the middle of summer whilst the elevation of the principal peaks mount exmouth mount cunningham and others was being taken it was discovered that so far from australia possessing only one large watercourse the swan river it had several the chief being hawkesbury river formed by the confluence of the nepean the gross and the brisbane the river murray not being yet known At the period under notice a commencement had been made in the working of coal mines slate quarries layers of solid carbonate of iron sandstone chalk porphyry and jasper but the presence of gold the metal that was to effect so rapid a development of the young colony had not as yet been established the nature of the soil varies on the sea coast it is barren able only to support the growth of a few stunted trees. But inland the traveller meets with fields clothed with a rich vegetation, vast pasturages in which here and there rise a few tall shrubs, and forests, where giant trees, entwined with an inextricable growth of underwood, defy all attempts to penetrate to their recesses one circumstance which much surprised travellers was the apparent homogeneity of race throughout the whole of this immense continent take the aborigines at the bay of sharks or in the land of eindracht or by the swan river or at port jackson and the same complexion and the same kind of hair the same features the same physique all prove indisputably that they have sprung from one common origin those dwelling by the rivers or on the sea-coast subsist chiefly on shell or other fish but those living in the interior trust to hunting for their food and will eat indiscriminately the flesh of the opossum or the kangaroo not rejecting even lizards snakes worms or ants the last named of which they manufacture into a sort of paste with the addition of their eggs and the roots of ferns All over the continent the practice of the aborigines is to go completely naked though they have no objection to put on any articles of european clothing that they can get possession of it is said that in 1820 at port jackson there was a laughable caricature of the european style of dress to be seen in the person of an ancient negress who went about clothed in some pieces of an old woolen blanket wearing on her head a bonnet of green silk a few of the aborigines however make themselves cloaks of opossum or kangaroo skin stitching the pieces together with the nerve fibres of the cassowary. but this kind of garment is of rare occurrence though their hair is smooth they plaster it with grease and arrange it in curls then inserting in the middle a tuft of grass they raise a strange and comical superstructure surmounted by a few cockatoo feathers or failing these they fasten on with the aid of a resinous gum a few human teeth or some bits of bone a dog's tail or one or two fish bones although the practice of tattooing is not much in favour among the natives of new holland some are occasionally to be seen who have succeeded by means of sharp shells in cutting symmetrical figures upon their skins a more general custom is that of painting on their bodies monstrous designs in red and white colours which on their dark skins give them an almost diabolical aspect these savages formerly believed that after death they would take the form of children and be transported to the clouds or to the summits of lofty trees Where, in a sort of aerial paradise they would be regaled with plentiful repasts but since the arrival of the europeans their faith on this point has undergone some change their present belief being that metamorphosed into whites they will go to inhabit some far-off land it is also an article of their creed that the whites themselves are no other than their own ancestors who Having been killed in battle, have assumed the form of Europeans. The census of eighteen nineteen, one of the strictest hitherto instituted, gives the number of the colonists at twenty five thousand four hundred and twenty five. This return, it must be understood, does not take in the soldiers. The women being very much in the minority. The mother country had made efforts to remedy the inconvenience resulting from this great disparity of the sexes by promoting the immigration of young women who soon married and founded families of a higher tone of morality than that of the convicts freycinet devotes a very long chapter in his narrative to all matters connected with political economy the various soils and the crops suited to them industrial pursuits the breeding of cattle farming economy manufactures foreign trade means of communication government all these subjects are treated comprehensively on the authority of documents then newly compiled and with an ability that could scarcely have been expected from a man who had not given special attention to questions of this nature he has moreover added a close inquiry into the regimen which the convicts were subjected to from the time of their arrival in the colony, the punishments they had to undergo, as also the encouragements and rewards which were readily granted to them when earned by good behaviour. The chapter concludes with reflections full of learning and sound judgment on the probable development and future prosperity of the Australian colony. End of section 27.